2: Hello everyone and welcome to Kilowatt. My name is Bodie, and I am your host and I am so excited because we are going to talk about the Tesla Cybertruck and the Ford Mustang Mach-E. It's going to be a great show. I have lots of clips. It should be uh, very informative and hopefully it'll be fun and you'll get something out of it. But before we go any further, I want to thank Chris and Dale. Both are Patreon supporters by the way. I mentioned last week that I had a problem with my Uh, Google Voice number and I lost it and I couldn't get it back. I couldn't figure out how to get it back. Well, Chris sent me an email and he was very helpful and I was able to get my Google Voice number back. So thank you very much, Chris. And Dale helped me out with another question that I had last week, which was with Tesla Gigafactory 4, they're going to be chopping down or clearing trees so that they can build the factory and then they're going to plant three times as many trees to kind of offset that. And I was asking... What effect that actually has on the ecosystem because you take mature trees and you're cutting them down and then you're planting little baby trees that may or may not survive. So Dale gave us an answer on that and I'm going to read it right now. I heard your comments about the proposed replacement of tree loss in Germany for the new Gigafactory. Those were good points you made. I don't know the rules in Germany, but the general idea is that you remove the fewest trees possible and replace with the same types of trees in greater numbers because they won't all survive. Likewise, young trees won't have the same value of a mature forest for many years, and there must be long-term guarantees and protection. One approach is to preserve existing trees nearby that could be lost in the future and overplant with high-value trees and associated trees to recreate a functioning forest ecosystem. He He goes on to say, I've always wanted to visit the forests of Germany and understand many are maintained like a manicured park. Europe has lost so much of its forest that what remains must be more important than ever. It would be a fun project to work on, finding appropriate habitat sites and species to develop for a project like this, and the overall effort, much more than just planting three young trees for every one removed. I wonder if Tesla would like to hire a retired biologist. And uh, I think they should hire you, Dale. I think that would be fun. You would get to go to Germany and see the forest, and you make a nice fat consulting fee from Tesla. Uh, seems like a dream. So Tesla, if you would like to hire Dale, uh, shoot me an email or go check out his Making Tracks podcast that you can find on Anchor. You can also find a link to Dale's show in the show notes for Kilowatt. So head on over to Dale's show and check it out. Dale is really involved in the EV and the environmental communities up in Northern California where he lives. And he's a heck of a sweet guy. So go out and support him. Can't say enough about him. I'm really lucky to know him. He's really added a lot to this podcast. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about the Ford Mach-E EV Mustang. The Ford Mustang Mach-E EV crossover. I'm sure you've all heard by now, but the Ford EV presentation was a little awkward. I think a lot of podcasts and media outlets are making it out to be more awkward than it really was, but there was some really some moments that just did not land. But overall, I thought the presentation was fine. They had an opening sequence that was kind of like Saturday Night Live, uh, except for there were names on there that nobody really knew. Actor Idris Elba was the kind of like the, the host of the show, and he interviewed Bill Ford and the CEO of Ford and that kind of thing. Idris Elba actually has a connection to Ford, which made it it made more sense why he was doing the presentation. He actually worked for Ford for four years in the UK and his father actually retired from Ford kind of brings it all full circle. So then once they explained that it made more sense why he was part of the presentation. Our first clip is about 35 seconds long and it's just going to show you a little bit of the awkwardness that was on stage. And then we'll, we'll move past it.
3: Please welcome executive chairman to the Ford Motor Company, Technically, my former boss,
4: Bill Ford. (laughs) Thank you. Well, hi, Idris. We've always been so proud of you and your dad uh, being part of the Ford family. And I know for sure you're the first Ford employee ever to win a a Golden Globe
3: Award. Uh, Actually, I think the Mustang has made more movies than I have. And I've made a few.
4: (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean...
2: So that was a little bit of an awkward moment, but I don't think it was that big of a deal. I think it's being blown out of proportion a little bit. These are CEOs and executives of the Ford Motor Company. They're not entertainers and performers. And, you know, Idris Elba or Idris Elba, he's doing the best that he can with what he has. So I don't think it was that big of a deal. Anyway, moving on, uh, I don't think that Bill Ford knew who Idris Elba was or who his father was before you know he became famous, kind of a weird thing to say. In our next clip, we're gonna hear from Bill Ford, who's the great-grandson of Henry Ford, and we're gonna find out what Mustang means to him.
3: And so what is, I mean, what does the Mustang mean to you, personally?
4: Well, it's the fusion of three great American ideas, fast, fun, and freedom, uh, and it's got a soul to it. It makes you feel young, it makes you feel alive, And that's what we've always tried to capture in the Mustang.
3: Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people might think this, but you've already nailed the Mustang. So why create a new member to the family now?
4: Well, actually, technology finally brought us to the moment where something incredible was possible. Because I've always had two great passions at Ford. One was the environment, and the other was sports cars and driving fast. Um, And... And I've always cared deeply about the environment uh, when when others in the industry thought I was crazy. And I think Ford has a responsibility to deliver cleaner uh, cars and trucks. But for too long, my two great passions were frankly diametrically opposed. If you wanted to be green, you had to give up performance. And if you wanted to have performance, you couldn't be green. That's not true anymore. We finally created a new new Mustang where it all comes together. It's a true driver's car. It's better for the planet. And frankly, I've been waiting for this a long, long time. So it's amazing.
3: So it's fast and it's clean.
4: Yeah. Zero to 60 in mid three second range. That's pretty fast. Uh, Zero emissions, zero compromise, all the performance of a Mustang.
2: So he mentions in the clip that his two main passions are fast cars and the environment. And I wanted to look up and get some history. Is that, in fact, true? Does he really care about the environment or is he just saying this at an EV because of, EV event because that's the thing that you should talk about? That's the thing you should say. So I found this clip from 2011. It's a TED talk that he did. And it goes kind of long. It's like five minutes long. But I think it's a, he tells a really good story and it's consistent to what he's saying on stage in 2019. So here's the clip.
4: By birth and by choice, I've been involved with the auto industry my entire life. And for the past 30 years, I've worked at Ford Motor Company. And for most of those years, I worried about how am I going to sell more cars and trucks? But today I worry about what if all we do is sell more cars and trucks? What happens when the number of vehicles on the road doubles, triples, or even quadruples? My life is guided by two great passions, and the first is automobiles. I literally grew up with the Ford Motor Company. I thought it was so cool as a little boy when my dad would bring home the latest Ford or Lincolns and leave it in the driveway. And I decided about that time, about age 10, that it would be really cool if I was a test driver. So my parents would go to dinner, they'd sit down, I'd sneak out of the house, I'd jump behind the wheel and take the new model around the driveway. And it was a blast. And that went on for about two years. Until, I think it was about 12, my dad brought home a a Lincoln Mark III, and it was snowing that day, so he and mom went to dinner, and uh, I snuck out, and thought it'd be really cool to do donuts or maybe even some figure eights in the snow. My dad finished dinner early that evening, and he was walking through the front hall and out the front door just about the same time I hit some ice and met him at the front door with the car, uh, and almost ended up in the front hall. So it kind of cooled my test driving for a little while. But um, I really began to love cars then. And my first car was a 1975 electric green Mustang. And even though the color was pretty hideous, uh, I did love the car. And it really cemented my love affair with cars that's continued on this day. But cars are really more than a passion of mine. Uh, They're quite literally in my blood. My great-grandfather was Henry Ford, and on my mother's side, uh, my great grandfather was Harvey Firestone. So when I was born, I guess you could say expectations were kind of high for me. Um, but my great grandfather, Henry Ford, really believed that the mission of the Ford Motor Company was to make people's lives better and make cars affordable so that everyone could have them. Because he believed that with mobility comes freedom and progress. And that's a belief that I share. My other great passion is the environment. And as a young boy, I used to go up to Northern Michigan and fish in the rivers that Hemingway fished in and then later wrote about. And it really uh, struck me uh, as the years went by in a a very negative way, when I would go to some stream that I'd loved and was used to walking through this field that was once filled with fireflies and now had a strip mall or a bunch of condos on it. And so even at a young age, that really resonated with me and, and the whole notion of environmental preservation, uh, at a very basic level, sunk in with me. As a high schooler, I started to read authors like Thoreau and Aldo Leopold and uh, Edward Abbey. uh, And I really began to develop a deeper appreciation of the natural world. But it never really occurred to me that my love of cars and, and trucks would ever be in conflict with nature. And that was true until I got to college. And when I got to college, you can imagine my surprise when I would go to class, and a number of my professors would say that Ford Motor Company and my family was kind of everything that was wrong with with our country. Um, They thought that uh, we were more interested as an industry in profits rather than progress, and that we filled the skies with smog. And frankly, we were the enemy. I joined Ford uh, after college, after some soul searching, whether or not. This is really the right thing to do. But I decided to, I wanted to go and see if I could effect change there. And as I look back, you know, over 30 years ago, it was a little naive to think at that age that I could, but I wanted to. And I really discovered that my professors weren't completely wrong. In fact, when I got back to Detroit, my environmental leanings weren't exactly embraced by those in my own company and certainly by those in the industry. I had some very interesting conversations, uh, as you can imagine, There were some uh, within Ford who believed that all this ecological nonsense should just disappear and that I needed to stop hanging out with, quote, environmental wackos. I was considered a radical, and I'll never forget the day I was called in by a member of top management and told to stop associating with any known or suspected environmentalists. (laughs) Of course, I had no intention of, of doing that. And I kept speaking out about the environment, and it really was the topic that we now today call sustainability. And in time, my views went from controversial to more or less consensus today. I mean, I think most people in the industry understand that we've got to get on with it. And the good news is today we are tackling the big issues uh, of, of cars and the environment, not only at Ford, but really as an industry. We're pushing fuel efficiency to new heights. And with new technology, we're reducing and I believe someday we'll eliminate CO2 emissions.
2: So again, that was from eight years ago. So he seems to be earnest and he seems to be on message, at least for the last eight years. In our next clip, we're going to hear how hard it was for them to get the Mustang Mach-E off the ground.
3: So, I mean, making a car is hard work, but how, how hard was it to make this a reality?
4: Well, two years ago, we had a small Ford team codenamed code Edison, and they met in... Maybe yeah. <laughs> <Okay.
3: laughs> hey, we've got some of them here tonight. <laughs> I,
4: I think they're all here tonight, at least I hope they are. Um, but they, they, uh, they got together in Corktown, which is Detroit's oldest neighborhood, and it's just blocks from my great-grandfather's first factory. And we gave them a mission, not just to make an electric car, but to make a great electric car. Yeah. But I got to admit, when they came to me and said they could make an electric Mustang, I was actually pretty skeptical for the same reasons that I think many people in this room probably come into this uh, thinking. Uh, you don't mess with an icon. Yeah. But people uh, around the world who know and love Mustangs are very vocal about how much they love them. So I said, if any car is going to wear the pony, it's, it can't just look like a Mustang. It's got to drive like one. It's right. got to feel like one. Yeah. And it has to have the soul of one. Yeah. And the team actually hit all the marks.
3: And I mean, do you really think an electric car can perform
4: like a Mustang? Yeah, I know it can. Uh, I've driven it, and it's a rocket ship.
2: So I really like this car, but I think it's a disservice to call it a Mustang because it's not a Mustang. It's an EV, and it's an SUV crossover. Now, Ford absolutely has the right to call their vehicles whatever they want to call them, but this car is not a Mustang. It's an SUV. I will admit that there the design language is similar to the Mustang. The car has touches of the Mustang look, but that's about it. Um, and in the clip, he says there are no compromises. I have to say that that's probably impossible. There absolutely has to be compromises. They couldn't put everything they wanted into the car. Otherwise, it would cost a billion dollars. Okay, now Jim Hackett, which is the CEO of Ford and Hussein Bakaroub, I hope I'm saying his name right. They're going to talk about the car and more specifically the technology, the interface, the connectivity, that kind of stuff.
5: Now here with me is Hussein Bakaroub from the team who developed this technology. And I want to tell you how proud I am of Hussein, Phil Mason, and a lot of other people in the room tonight.
1: So Hussein, tell the crowd you did this. Thanks, Jim. And good good evening, everyone. We've reimagined how people interact with their vehicles. One thing we know is that customers want their technology to be familiar and easy to use. So our goal was for a visually appealing modern interface, but also intuitive. It starts with a large touchscreen and a familiar physical knob for those moments where you just want to grab a dial and crank that volume.
5: Well, you know, and there's no complicated menu here. There's no, you have to drill down to find out. Everything is easy to see. This is a new interface, what we would call architectural type graphics. We get the best out of this whole screen by using every inch of it. But we also have built a screen behind the steering wheel in case you don't want your eyes to come off the road for key driver information.
1: We looked at where to place each experience, cluster, steering wheel controls, voice, and the center display from a holistic perspective. We know people want their driver information in front of them, so we kept it there, unlike others. But people also said they prefer interacting with features on a touchscreen. So we took a lot of that content from the cluster that customers interact with and moved it into the center display. And this is where the flat architecture plays an important role. It takes advantage of the large screen size to bring more functions to the surface and reduce the amount of touches to reach your action. We designed this in a way that doesn't need a back button or a home button. You're one touch away from your main applications, a touch away from your vehicle controls to actuate your uh, vehicle controls within your vehicle, and it looks looks like you're a Detroit Rocks fan.
5: Uh, Yeah, that's Journey song they play at U of M like in
1: the fourth quarter. Got the place rocking yesterday. (laughs) Uh, uh, Go blue. (laughs) You see, you display what you want while still having quick access to your applications and the system menus.
5: Well, the next generation SYNC does offer an even deeper level of personalization. You see, this is one of those
1: smart systems. It adapts to each driver that's going to interact with the vehicle. That's right. SYNC will get to know you. It will have your profile and preferences as you approach the vehicle through phone as a key or your key file. And by opting in, it will learn your habits and provide you with suggestions. For example, Jim, it recognizes that you call your wife every day after work or you stop at a coffee shop on Saturdays. It will provide you these suggestions as quick actions, so you can complete your task a lot quicker. And if your wife is behind the wheel, she gets the same adaptive experience. It's her profile and her preferences. You know,
5: the people who work with me know that I, I talk about Kathy all the time and the way she works with the vehicle.
1: So let's, let's show people what a trip would look like. Next Generation Sync was redesigned from the ground up to take full advantage of built-in high-speed connectivity. This will enable exciting new cloud-connected experiences. For example, for our drive back to LAX, you'll have the freshest maps, always cloud stream, live traffic data from millions of data points and the best routes. And for a city like LA, I've been here the past four days, you're really gonna need that. Our system also has live charging data and it will seamlessly add charging stations to your route to ensure you can reach your destination. We'll also provide you with charging suggestions and alerts for complete charging confidence. But it doesn't stop there our cloud-connected assistant can understand regular speech and complex requests.
5: Well, I know with Kathy, this would be something she likes because she doesn't want to take her hands off the wheel sometimes to have to touch the screen for information.
1: Jim, you have the ability to select from various uh, wake words. For example, one of them is OK Ford. When you say OK Ford, the voice system wakes up and then you can give it a command. Why don't we give it a try? OK Ford, take me to Jay
5: Leno's garage.
0: Okay, starting route.
5: Does Jay know we're coming? (laughs) Yeah.
0: Uh,
5: Okay, Ford.
1: How about some coffee along the way? Best of all, the vehicle also gets better over time with over-the-air software updates. Our community of owners is going to have a big say in how this vehicle improves. And they wouldn't have to wait to purchase a newer model to get these improvements. Using the cloud and how we built the systems in the vehicle, the upgrade process will be very seamless for our users. Hussein, thank you for all this. You and that team have really created
5: an incredible experience.
2: So while they're talking, there's a video playing behind them, and it's showing the, the technology as they're talking about it. So there's a digital instrument cluster display behind the steering wheel, which is really beautiful. And then there's a large infotainment screen between the driver and the passenger. And it kind of looks like a cross between what the model three and the model Y did with the display. It's a portrait uh, display, but it's set up a little higher like the model three is there is a big giant knob kind of mounted in the display Honestly, I think the way that they designed this works. I think they said in the clip that people just want to turn a knob to turn up the music and they don't want to go hunting for it. They made some churlish uh, comments about Tesla, which is dumb because they're borrowing a lot of the design language from Tesla or not a lot, a fair amount of design language from Tesla. And it felt like to me that they were talking as if Ford was the first company to introduce a mass market EV. Now, having said that, Ford has a narrative that they're trying to share on stage. So, you know, they're going to be biased. Another thing they did was demo their, uh, their voice assistant. So they would ask a question and then the voice assistant would actually give them the correct answer. But here's the thing. In Jim Hackett's hand, you can see the presenting remote and you can see him clicking the buttons to play the video to the next point. So it wasn't... <laughs> Like there are people in the audience cheering, and I assume that those are all Ford employees cheering. But it wasn't a real demo; it was just him hitting play and then hitting pause. I assume hitting pause before the next clip so they could ask the next question. It wasn't a, a live demo. Anyway, now we're going to hear about the owner experience, and this will be the last clip for the Ford Machi, and then I'll kind of wrap it up.
5: Okay, so now let's go to Ted Canis over here to unpack the Mach-E ownership experience. Ted?
0: Owning the Mustang Mach-E is simple and easy. Wherever you're going, it starts to work with you before you get in the driver's seat. No more hunting for your keys. With Ford Pass, your smartphone, is your key imagine you're leaving your office at the end of a hot summer day or a cold winter one but you can't remember where you parked ford pass can locate your vehicle check your charge status preset the cabin temperature while you're packing up to leave as you approach the car it recognizes you so its lights come on and you can unlock it before you get to the door by the time you get there You're ready to go. The Mach-E delivered a targeted EPA range of over 300 miles on a single charge with rear-wheel drive option. That makes your commute worry-free with plenty enough extra miles to drive the way you want to. Now you're thinking electric vehicles aren't built for all four seasons. A myth. The Mach-E is extreme weather tested. Not only does it handle well, but in deep snow, the feedback from the throttle is immediate in a way that only a battery electric can be. Not sure about electric vehicle because it means hunting for a charging station? Another myth. 80% of charging is done at home. We will give you a Ford mobile charger you can use to charge overnight. Maybe you have free charging at the office. The mach is smart. It knows to charge just enough at home so you can get to work and charge. And out on the road and around town, DC fast charging delivers up to 47 miles in 10 minutes. Yet another myth is that there are no charging stations. They just don't have signs like gas stations. With the largest network of any automaker, you will easily find chargers. And then you've also got the freedom to roam. The Mach-E is cloud-connected, so you will always see the latest chargers added to the network. And thanks to our relationship with some great partners, Maki e owners have access to the FordPass charging network with more than 12,000 stations in North America and growing. Weekend warrior excursion, unscheduled detour, FordPass helps you to find the best places to charge and seamlessly pay for it. FordPass is there for you in Europe as well. We are a founding partner in Ionity and will provide you with membership access to their network of more than 400 high-speed charging stations as well as thousands more chargers from other partners across the continent. And with secure over-the-air software updates, you'll be able to upgrade your Mach-E over time with the latest product and performance enhancements, including hands-free driving capability. That is what hassle-free experience feels like pretty good the all-electric lifestyle has never been easier thanks to ford now let's take a look at how we brought the Machi experience to the world all
2: right so obviously i'm not going to play that video because this is an audio podcast um okay so there's some things i wanted to say there is touch screens in this car but there's also buttons and knobs and i forgot to mention that and i don't think that the buttons and knobs for this vehicle feel out of place they might feel out of place for a Tesla. But it kind of makes sense in terms of if you have somebody that owns a Ford, let's say, um, Escort. Uh, that's an old car. So you have somebody that owns an updated Ford SUV, which I can't think of at the moment, and they want to buy the new Mach-E, Ford has a pretty consistent design language from vehicle to vehicle. So owners of previous Ford products are going to feel familiar in the ford mach e and they won't feel overwhelmed with the touchscreen. they'll be able to engage auto not autopilot excuse me they'll be en- able to engage their cruise control from the steer- steering wheel my main point here is they're just going to feel more comfortable in the car and i think that it's okay that ford included those dials and buttons a lot of people are blasting ford for doing that but i can see why they did it and it makes sense to me anyway Ford does have a unique way of opening up the doors. So like on the B and the C pillar, there's just a little push button. So you push the button and the door opens. There are no door handles whatsoever. So that was very interesting. The Ford Mach-E will fit five adults, but the three adults in the back need to be very thin. And probably it would be helpful if they were actually smaller as well. Compact. Because in the video that they showed where the three people, three adults were in the back of the car, they looked uh squished in terms of specs i'm just going to give you the base model specs and it all goes up from there and the reason why is because they have like five different versions of the ford mach e and then there are several configurations in each of those versions so and i'm not going to go through all of those if you want you can go to ford.com and take a peek for yourself But uh, let's see here, range of 210 miles, starts at 210 miles, 75.7 kilowatt hour battery, zero to 60 in the mid five second range. It's about $43,000 for the base model. One of the things that Ford is doing that I think is really interesting is Ford will actually give you a free charger for your home to charge this vehicle, which I thought was really neat. One of the other things that they mentioned is that Ford has a charging network run by Ford of 12,500 charging stations. I don't know where any of these stations are at all, and I couldn't find a map, so I don't know what they're talking about. They also called it the largest charging network in the country. Again, I don't know where one Ford charger is. I don't know who they're partnering with or if they're partnering. I have no idea where they're coming up with these numbers. I can tell you that Tesla has like over 14,000 chargers. For supercharging and destination chargers, so uh, it's kind of an odd thing for them to say. Over-the-air updates. They had the Detroit Youth Choir singing as the car came out on stage. I thought that was. I thought they were really good. Actually, I enjoyed that part. So, despite the presentation being a little bit awkward, I think this is a good offering by Ford. In my opinion, this is Ford's first real attempt at a mass-market EV. They've dabbled in EVs a little bit in the past, but I don't think they were serious until now. So here's the thing that I would really like us as the EV community to stop doing is stop saying every EV that comes out is a Tesla killer because there's plenty of room in the market for all of these companies to have EVs and it's not going to kill anybody. The only thing that's going to kill Tesla is if Tesla starts sucking and building terrible products. That's the only thing that's going to kill Tesla. The second thing that i would like for us to do in the tesla community is to stop tearing down car companies that are building evs because they don't compare to a tesla like i'm hearing a ton of stuff from blogs and other podcasts just ripping on this mustang ev because the specs don't meet or exceed what tesla's offering in the model y or the model 3 you're not helping the mission you're just being a jerk like the plain and simple if there is legitimate places to criticize the Ford or whatever product it is, if there's legitimate reasons to criticize them by all means, criticize them and hold that company's feet to the fire. But if you're just comparing apples to apples specs from the model Y, for instance, to the Ford Mach E and it doesn't live up to the model Y, well then you're just, you're just being a jerk. If the car is not for you, that's one thing that's totally fine. But guess what? And this is, going to blow every tesla fanboy's mind out there but not everybody wants to own a tesla and that's completely okay i want to own a tesla but you know what if i had this ford mach e mustang crossover thing i'd be just as happy it's a great looking car it's a great looking effort as a community we need to stop this behavior because it makes us look like idiots if I'm being honest, and I've taken part, I've been the idiot before. I'm not saying that I haven't fallen into this trap because I absolutely have been the idiot multiple times. But as a general rule, Ford didn't phone this car in. They did a great job designing it. It's a great looking vehicle. It's going to come out now. There's only going to be about 50,000 coming out the first year, but that's okay. It's still a great looking vehicle. So give Ford props. If it's not for you, then that's great. Move on. It's not for you. But man, I have read some really negative things. And it, it's, a, it's like, here's how it falls short of a Tesla. Well, you know what? Tesla falls short of a Ford if you really like Fords. So that's not helpful. It's not constructive. If you want to compare specs and you're like, well, here's kind of where everything sits to help people with purchasing uh, decisions then that's great. Absolutely do that. But if you're just using the the specs to tear the product down, then you're just being a jerk. And I will say not every blog or podcast or news article that I read had those elements to it, but a fair amount did. And that was really disheartening to me. Now, having said all that, let's move on to the Tesla Cybertruck reveal. Let's jump right into our first clip, which is Elon just kind of opening up the show.
6: Welcome to the Cybertruck unveil. I love you guys, too. I love you guys, too. (laughs) Hey. Uh, Trucks have been the same for a very long time. Like 100 years, trucks have been basically the same. We want to try something different. Let's show you what trucks have... you, You see trucks all the time, but as a reminder, what do they look like? They'll, they'll pretty much look the same. We need something different, and we, and we need we need sustainable energy now. <laughs> if we if we don't, if we don't have a pickup truck. We can't solve it. But, uh, the number one selling truck, a vehicle in America, top three uh, selling vehicles in America are pickup trucks. We have to if to solve sustainable energy, we have to have a pickup truck.
2: So i present to you the cyber truck so in that clip elon was showing some pictures of pickup trucks from very early on to current and basically what it showed was they all look very similar i cut that part out because you know it's a video you can't really see it when they brought the truck out i thought it was a joke honest to god i thought it was a joke i literally thought to myself this is a joke it is this truck is hideous this thing is a monstrosity there's no way that anybody's going to want to purchase that now having said that i also had this other conflicting feeling that was pretty much like if this is really the truck they have really stuck their necks out in terms of, of design and i kind of like that i i like the what they're doing there and the more that they started talking about the features of the vehicle i was like okay I'm, I'm on board. I'm on board. I still think the truck is ugly, but I want one. I really want one. I, the, the whole presentation kind of turned me around. So I have a clip that I will put at the end of the show if you want to listen to it. It's probably best to watch it. It's basically uh, Franz von Holzhausen, the chief designer at Tesla, beating the heck out of the Tesla pickup truck and it not denting and... They show video of a, you know, uh, shooting it with a nine millimeter, that kind of thing. I don't know that it works for audio, but I'm going to put it in because I did think it was interesting and, and maybe you will too, but let's talk about the truck itself here. Uh, Like I said, it's wedge shaped. The bed is covered and it's, it's called the vault where the bed is and There's a retractable cover that will open up so that you can actually get to the bed. There's also some like kind of wing doors that you can open up and put things in the bed. But it's basically your stuff is secure while it's in the bed. I really like that. The truck itself is 19 feet long, six and a half feet wide. It's a little over six feet tall. It has six seats in it. It looks really roomy. It seems to me like it compares to one of the smaller configurations that an F-150 comes in. It's not exactly the same, uh, but in terms of numbers, but it's right around there. So if you look at your standard four-door F-150, it's probably similar in size. Now, this thing has an exoskeleton frame. So so instead of having an internal frame that normal cars have, all of the the strength in this vehicle is on the outside, is in the skin. Um, It's got big, thick, stainless steel panels. And apparently that's where the truck gets all of its support. And they came out, Franz came out and he has a big sledgehammer and he's smashing the truck and it's, it's not denting. And uh, they show a video of a 9 millimeter shooting the skin of the truck. The 9 millimeter bullet virtually disintegrates and the truck body is still fine. They have the glass on this vehicle is called transparent metal glass. I think it's the same glass that they use for their Tesla semi, which is called armor glass, I think. So they did this uh, glass ball drop demo. So they put a regular piece of glass underneath a tube, and then they put a steel ball in that tube and broke it, you know, dropped it onto the regular piece of glass and it broke. And then... That's to be expected. And then they put the transparent metal glass in there and they dropped it, I think, from as high as it looked like about 15, 20 feet. It's hard to tell. And it didn't break. So then they weren't done there. So Franz grabs these still balls, walks over to the Tesla Cybertruck prototype and throws it at the the glass on the driver's side window and ends up breaking two pieces of glass, which wasn't supposed to happen. And they showed later a video of them practicing it and the the ball just dropped off. But it didn't go through the glass. It just kind of, you know, cracked and that was about it. So, um, still pretty cool that the the glass is really strong. It didn't work out. The demo didn't work out the way they wanted. In fact, I talked to Brad and Sierra after the event. And if you don't know, Sierra is my kid and Brad is her boyfriend uh, huge Tesla fans, and one of the things that Brad said that he he thought was, even though Elon was laughing this off, he was you could kind of see on his face a little bit of disappointment when he would look back at the pickup truck. Here's a quick clip of Elon giving us some more details about the pickup truck.
6: In addition, the car has an adaptive uh, air suspension. It's literally built, yeah, with adaptive air suspension. So. This will come standard on all the cars. I think this is actually a very important uh, design element um, because if you have a, a if, 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 every, if every truck has the ability to adjust the ride height, so you can go very low or very high, so you can be efficient on the highway and you can you can also go off-roading. Um, it's going to have uh, the highest clearance of any any production truck, so we're going to have a, a, about a 16-inch clearance. Um, and. Uh, you can adjust this on the fly. So it's adaptive damping and, and adaptive uh, ride, ride height. These these are actually extremely important for a truck. Because trucks, when you only drive them, they're either too cushy or they're they're too hard. Um, you need it to be able to adjust dynamically depending upon what the load is. If you've got a lot of people on board, if you've got a full bed in the, in the back, it's got to adjust accordingly. So, yeah. Um, let's talk, talk about the... Uh, we call it the vault, Cybertruck vault. The rear is 100 cubic feet, six and a half foot uh, length, bed length, uh, up to 3,500 pounds of payload, and it can tow. But what about a real world, real world test? Like, let's let's uh, actually have a tug of war here with an F-150. So you can see, you know, we're see, see which one can pull which. Let's let's uh, let's do the tug of war video. I mean, yeah, but it was uphill.
2: So, the last part of that clip was a F 150 and the Tesla Cybertruck having a, basically a tug of war, and the Cybertruck easily pulls the F 150, which you can hear its tires screeching, up a hill. Honestly, I don't know how relevant that is, but they put it in there because, you know. Same reason Ford put in their little dig against Tesla, because they have a narrative. We already talked about the Cyber Vault. The bed is six and a half feet long. It's got a hundred cubic feet of storage. It'll. It's got a thirty five hundred pound t- payload. In terms of towing, there are three different models for this vehicle. There's a single motor model which will tow seventy five hundred pounds. A dual motor all wheel drive which will tow ten thousand pounds. And the top of the line motor has our top of the line Cybertruck has three motors and that will tow 15,000 pounds, which is pretty insane. It also races a Porsche 911, most current Porsche 911 and beats it. So it's fast. I'm guessing that's the triple motor version of the Cybertruck. The interior simple. There's just a touchscreen kind of like the Model 3. It seats six. I would like to hope that Tesla uses a little bit bigger touchscreen because the touchscreen that I saw in the pictures, it just looks really small compared to how big the interior is. You'll be able to seat six. I can't remember if I said that or not. It's going to come in white, matte black, green, and stainless. And honestly, I would go stainless or matte black all the way with this vehicle. We mentioned that it had three versions. The single motor rear wheel drive starts at $39,900. It's got a range of 250 miles, which is 402 kilometers, a towing capacity of 7,500 pounds or 3,400 kilograms, zero to 60 in 6.5 seconds, which would be zero to like 98, but we'll round it up to 100 uh, kilometers an hour in 6.5 seconds. Dual motor all wheel drive, 49,900, 300 mile range, towing capacity of 10,000 pounds or 4,500 kilograms, 0 to 60 in 4.5 seconds. And then the tri motor all wheel drive is $69,900, $20,000 more than the dual motor. 500 mile range, 804 kilometers, towing capacity is 1,500 pounds or 6,800 kilograms, 0 to 60 in 2.9 seconds. And I'll be honest, I think these are amazing specs. And I think Tesla is going to over deliver on these specs as well. I think it's going to end up being better. The final production version will be better than what they're saying. Elon mentions that there's adaptive air suspension, which is great. And there's an onboard compressor so you can plug your air tools to it if you need. There's also onboard electrical outlets. So if you are, for instance, you use this truck for work, you can plug your batteries in and charge your drill batteries and that kind of thing. Elon announced on Twitter that Tesla is going to be offering some accessories. So there's a little camper that mounts to the bed of the truck. And there's an optional slide-out kitchen. It's kind of like the what the Rivian R1T has. There's a solar roof or a solar cover for like the vault, the cyber vault. And that will give you an extra 15 miles of range if you opt for that option. And then there's a cyber quad. There's actually an ATV, an electric ATV that you can drive up into the back of your pickup truck and charge the ATV while you're driving around. That's amazing. That's awesome. It's only $100 to pre-order and it's fully refundable if you don't end up wanting the vehicle. So here's some numbers about pre-orders. Tesla has received 146,000 pre-orders to this point. So the base version of the Cybertruck has received 24,820 signups, reservations. Now, if every one of those people buy a Cybertruck, then that's about a billion dollars for Tesla. Now, the mid-tier, the dual motor, 61,320 people have signed up for that one. And if everybody bought that's on the list bought that pickup truck, it would be an extra $3 billion for Tesla. And then the tri-motor, the premium version, 59,860 people signed up for that bad boy, and that's about four hundred four point two billion dollars in uh, for Tesla if everybody on the list bought that particular truck. In any case, hundred dollars times one hundred forty six thousand people is a nice little cash infusion of about fourteen million dollars for you know basically just over two days of taking reservations. Not too bad. It pays to be in the reservation taking business apparently. The base and mid-model truck, Cybertruck, will be available in late 2021, and the premium version, the three-motor version, will be available sometime in 2022. Like I said, I talked to Brad and Sierra and got their take. Uh, it sounds like initially Brad was not a fan, but over time, he grew to like the, the look of the truck. And I, I feel like We probably felt a similar way in that when he started talking about all the options and the things that you get with this vehicle, despite what it looks like, the value you get for this vehicle is actually quite high, in my opinion. Let's see. Sierra liked the truck from the beginning. If you reserved one, this is Brad's take on this. If you reserved one and you click the button for full self-driving, he thinks that If full self-driving goes up in the two years you're waiting for the truck, you still get it for $7,000. And that actually makes quite a bit of sense. And one of the things that I failed to mention on when I talked about the interior of this pickup truck is it's got kind of like a yoke type steering wheel like the Tesla Roadster has. So Brad thinks that that steering wheel is there simply because at some point Tesla will be able to remove it when they hit full self-driving capabilities. And that's a possibility for sure. I'm not sure if it's why it's there or not. It does look a little bit out of place. It looks teeny tiny in that big, huge cab. But they may have just put it there because they had extra roadster steering wheels sitting around. And they didn't know quite what to do with them. So they're like, yeah, let's throw them on the truck. Anyway, that's all for me. That's the whole show. If you want to email me, it's bodie, B-O-D-I-E at 918digital.com. You can follow me on Twitter at 918Digital. And if you would like to call and leave a message and have your message on the show, you can call 918-401-0071. And if you leave a message, I will put your message on the show and we'll talk about it. You can be involved in the show that way. Karen did that last week and I think it worked out really well. So yeah, that's it. That's the whole show. I'm going to insert that final clip, which is about eight and a half minutes long. Oh, you know what? Before I go, next week is Thanksgiving here in the United States. So I'm going to record on Tuesday to make sure that I can have an episode out on Friday. And I'll be honest, the episode on the next episode is going to be very short. I can't imagine there's going to be a ton of news. I already have some articles queued up to talk to you about, uh, but I don't think it's gonna be all that long. So just a quick programming note on that. All right, everybody, here's Elon and Franz getting up to shenanigans.
6: Doesn't look like anything else. (laughs) So we'll start off with the size, the dimensions, and the inspiration. So, the, the functionality I'm going to describe is within a space that is less than the most popular pickup truck in the United States, the F-150. So, we didn't cheat in either width, height, or length, and we're able to achieve much greater capability in the same, same dimensions, same weight. Yeah. The... Part of this is it, it, the, the fundamental design change. Uh, we're, we moved the mass to the outside. We created an exoskeleton. So normally, the way that a truck is designed, you have a body on frame, you have a bed on frame. And the, the, the body and the bed don't do anything useful. They're, they're carried like cargo, like a sack of potatoes. It, it was the way that aircraft used to be designed, The when they had biplanes, basically. the the key to creating an effective monoplane was a stressed skin design. You, you move the stress to the outside skin. It allows you to do things that you can't do with a body on frame. So we're able to make the, the skin out of uh, thick, this ultra-hard stainless steel. It's really hard. We're <laughs> <laughs> gonna show you just how hard. So, Fr- Franz, Franz has a sledgehammer. Uh, yeah, don't hold back. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It's a regular truck door. times. <laughs>
0: you wanna hit it again? Alright. <laughs>
6: yeah. Yeah, nice. Now hit the cyber truck. Same thing. Hit it ho- hit it harder. Wind, I really wind up and nail that it. <laughs> yeah. it's pretty strong very strong <laughs> so if you think about it, like, like a truck you want to you want a truck that's tough you want a truck that's really tough not fake tough A truck can take a sledgehammer too. A truck that won't scratch, doesn't dent. What else can we do with this truck? What if we, what if we shot it? Let's, let's, let's shoot it. Got OSHA. I mean, come on. So the, the That's a 9mm bullet Shot at the door Shoot it. <laughs> We're in California Unfortunately <laughs> But the 9mm it is, it is literally bulletproof To a 9mm uh, handgun That's how strong the skin is so it's 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 ultra hard, cold rolled, uh, stainless steel alloy that we've developed. We're going to be using the same alloy in in the Starship rocket, and in the Cybertruck. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> so on the on the right, that's like no, normal tr- truck doors. Are like, it might as well be made of tissue paper. That, that's the, the, looks like a paintball. Very different. So, you know, when you say something's built tough. That's what we mean. What? What about the glass? It seems like a vulnerability. <laughs> yeah, a tra- transparent metal glass. Yeah, that's right. Let's <laughs> well, let's 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 show some of the tests. Let's. Uh, what can we do with this? all right let's uh let's let's show the glass demo there you go so first first this is regular glass this is like normal glass car glass we want to show you what happens with normal car glass Shatters immediately with a little ball. Now I'll show you Tesla armor glass. <laughs> Nothing. Yeah. But it's 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 kind of a small ball though. That's it's maybe like. Do it at a bigger height, with a, uh, yeah, 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 so still, still there. I guess, yeah, yeah not bad, that <laughs> bigger ball, <bowl. laughs> Yeah. My bad. <laughs> Franz, could you try to break this glass, please? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Oh my oh. fucking god. Well, maybe that was a little too hard. Uh, <laughs> Should we try the other? Sorry. <coughs> it didn't go through. Let's so that was, a, that was a plus side. Let's try the right. Try that one? Really? Yeah. Okay. Sure. <laughs> oh man! It didn't go through. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> eh, not bad. <laughs> uh, room for improvement. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. So yeah. Uh, we we'd, we'd actually threw everything We threw wrenches. Uh, we threw everything. We even literally threw the kitchen sink at the at the we- the glass, and it didn't break. For some weird reason, it broke now. I don't know why. <laughs> you know, fix it in post. You <laughs>